Hey, y'all. Welcome to Recharting Your Life with Hope. I'm your host, Hope Cook. I created this podcast to help women who have amazing careers on paper and yet something is missing. You're feeling out of alignment or directionless. Maybe you're no longer motivated or excited about how you spend your days. On top of all that, I'm guessing you feel guilty because you're not more grateful for your job. And maybe you even wonder how you can possibly keep going doing this for another 10, 15, or 20 years when you can barely make it through Wednesday. Let me tell you, I've been there. After 20 years with a rewarding career as a physician assistant, I could not figure out what was wrong with me. I felt pulled in a new direction, but didn't know what that was. A series of books and conversations led me to a life-changing decision to cut way back on my day job and become a life coach. My passion became helping other women figure out what it is they want to do and map out a path to get there. So listen weekly for tips and tools you can use to chart your own journey. Hey, y'all. Today, we are talking about resistance. So I want you to think of something that you have been saying you were going to do or something that you wanted to do for a very long time, or maybe not so long, but just something that you can't seem to get started on, something that you can't seem to finish, something that you think would be amazing if you could do it, but there's just something stopping you. That thing is likely resistance. All right, so let me make sure I am recording in all the places. Um, yeah, we got the podcast, we got the YouTube, and we are rolling. All right, so this came up because of a couple of things. One is one of my favorite books called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. The other thing was last week I was talking to a friend about her passion, which is writing and blogging. She had gone from a totally different career. She's an entrepreneur. She had like three or four businesses, and burnout just hit her out of the blue before she even knew what was going on. Um, So she closed down at least two of her businesses, um, and then she took about a year to just think about it and figure out what she wanted to do and sort of recover. And that's something you'll hear a lot about is recovering from burnout because, well, that's a whole different um, conversation, but you do need time to sort of recover and to think about what you want to do going forward. But this is what happened to her. And this is what I see happen to a lot of my clients when they get to that point where they are, they're pretty much recovered and they start dreaming and scheming. We talked about the three stages And the first stage is you're in sort of a cocoon. You're like just barely keeping your head above water. Um, The next phase is where you actually start dreaming and scheming and thinking, what if? And then a lot of people never make it to that third step where they start implementing. And it's because of fear. In her case, she's like, "I, I didn't see burnout coming before. What if I don't see it coming again? What if I go all in with this new endeavor and then I get burned out again? And this is a legitimate fear. I felt this too when I went back to work after the pandemic. 
I took a five-month furlough from medicine and I had a lot of fear. Like, what if it happens all over again? Like, what do I do then? Or some of you, if you start a new job, you're like, well, what if, I mean, it seems like the grass is greener, but what if it's not? What if it happens again? All right, but this conversation is so much bigger than burnout and it's bigger than switching jobs or doing anything like that. This is all about what you are here on earth to do. So this is like big picture, y'all. This is an example of when a dream calls you and you don't answer. And we've all had this to some degree in our lives. Um, for me, for years, it was write a book, write a book. I want to write a book. And I just, oh, I can't do it. I've got little kids or I'm not a writer or I don't have a computer. Um, so we all have these justifications. And as we'll see, some of those are legitimate. Some of them are true, but they can stop us in our tracks. And so in Stephen Pressfield's book, he talks about resistance with a capital R. So almost like a person, like a, a part of us. This is like a battle of your mind. So that's why the book is called The War of Art. It's like war. The heart wants you to pursue something, but the mind, the mind uses all manners of coercion and fear, anything it takes to keep you stuck. Because remember, the brain is like designed back in dinosaur times or probably not dinosaurs, but you know, saber tooth tiger times, change is dangerous. That's what the brain thinks. So it stops you from moving forward. Um, with life coaching, a lot of my clients bring this up and it's two parts of you battling it out. And guess what? The part who uses fear as its argument is often the winner. Why? Because staying stuck and playing small is the path of least resistance. It's the easiest. It's so much easier to keep things the same, to not take any big leaps, to not try anything new, because if you're not taking risk, you're not going to fail, right? You're not going to get burned out again if you stay in the status quo. At least that's how we rationalize it. So this made me think about Robert Frost's poem, The Road Not Taken. And he describes two paths and a choice about which path to take. The narrator ends up taking the road less traveled. And at the end of the poem, he sort of muses about, you know, when I'm an old man, what will I think of the path that I chose? And he closes the poem by saying, and that made all the difference. So if the road less traveled is the path that we are one day going to be glad we took, why do we have such a hard time taking it? Why? I used um, the metaphor of a garden and seeds to give this talk on wildly improbable goals to a group of life coaches. So let's use the seed metaphor. So let's pretend the desires and the dreams that are inside your heart are sort of like little seeds. Each person has seeds in their heart, and each person has a different variety. None of us have the same seeds. There are, I don't know how many trillion people who've been alive on the earth, and no two people, even identical twins, have the same fingerprint, the same exact same DNA. So it is up to each of us 
to grow those seeds, to plant them, to water them, to remove the weeds, to see what grows. Because what happens if you if you just hold on to them? They're going to get rotten or whatever it ha- whatever happens to seeds when you just like leave them inside a container. Or maybe you worry. You say, oh my gosh, if I plant these, what if? What if deer eat them? What if there's a drought? What if they grow into something I don't like? What if they grow into squash or eggplants or something? So Wayne Gretzky is credited with saying, you're going to miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And so it is with our dreams. So you would spend the rest of your life not knowing how those seeds might change your life or change somebody else's life. I have heard it said, and I think this is true, that it is our moral obligation to plant these seeds and grow them. Because think about it, if we each have unique dreams, desires, passions, purposes, goals, if you don't do it, who will? I mean, yours are unique to you. And I think about this, you know, with um, with our kids, like my son, who definitely has two non-musical parents. He has music in his heart. He whistles all the time. He picked up that ocarina, the little handheld flute thing. It is like it's attached to his lips. I mean, he's like a songbird playing that thing all the time. I don't have that seed in my heart at all. In fact, I think it's kind of um, high-pitched and I don't love it, but... (laughs) We each have our own unique seeds. Um, And I've written about and I've podcasted about how to figure out what those dreams are, how to fertilize them into being. We've called it reverse engineering. But today we're talking about resistance. The part of you who is too scared, too stubborn, too resistant to move forward. Sometimes we call it fear. Today we're calling it resistance. Last week we talked about anxiety. So let's get started with resistance. I love, I copied this quote from The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Resistance cannot be seen, touched, heard, or smelled, but it can be felt. It is negative. Its aim is to shove us away, distance us, and prevent us from doing our work. See, what else does he say? Resistance is not a peripheral opponent. It comes from within. It is self-generated and self-perpetuated. Resistance is the enemy within. So think about the question I asked you when we first started this podcast. Think about something you would like to be doing with your life, but you aren't. And it doesn't have to make sense. It could be something really goofy. It could be like for me, public speaking made no sense. I've told y'all how red I turn. I break out in hives. Um, But there are medicines for that. And anyway, a few years ago, I wrote in my journal, I feel the strangest pull to speak in front of people. I didn't have a podcast at the time. I'd not gotten up in front of anybody. And I couldn't explain it, but it was just that it was a seed, as as I said earlier. So think about something in your life that you would like to be doing or that you're curious about, but you aren't doing it. So Stephen Pressfield goes on to say, resistance is like a compass 
pointing us towards our true north. In fact, the more important a call or action is to our soul's evolution, the more resistance we will feel towards pursuing it. Wow! Isn't that a great line? And this is a very short book, and his chapters are sometimes one paragraph long. So he drops these little bombs, like the more important a call or action is to our soul's evolution, the more resistance we will feel towards pursuing it. So what do we do about it? I mean, we have this resistance and it comes around from us, from within us, because we're trying to grow towards something that we feel pulled towards. So what do you do about it? So I came up with these and... I've, some of them are based on the book, but I also used um, Gay Hendricks. He's written The Big Leap and Zone of Genius. And so I used some of his material too. And then some of it, I just pulled out of my, you know what. Okay, so what do you do about resistance? Number one, I'm a big fan of speaking it out loud. So first of all, say out loud and write on paper what you dream of, what you're curious about just like I did in my journal. Write out what's whispering your name and tailing you like a shadow. Give yourself permission to dream. A lot of us, maybe we were taught as kids like it's not safe to dream or that's just a waste of your time or you'll never do X, Y, and Z. But on your sheet of paper or in the privacy of your room, it is safe. You can write it down. In fact, be careful because it's almost guaranteed to come true if you write it on paper. Number two, write out what resistance looks like for you. So if it is resistance with a capital R, if you kind of uh, personify it, like what does it look like? Why can't you do it? Why can't you do this thing that you feel compelled to do? Why shouldn't you do it? And for especially moms, this is going to be a big one. Why shouldn't you do it? Why might you fail? Like write all the reasons. Like I would probably fail because I'm not a good writer or I would probably fail because I have a strong Southern accent and people won't be able to understand me. Or who would want me to get on a stage and what would I even talk about? I mean, these were the things that went through my head. Write out who might have something negative to say about it. And then you can go through and debunk each one of those. Like really write out beside each one why those aren't true or what you would do if the worst thing happened. Number three, think of your calling, your seeds in your heart, as your act of service to the world. So when you write, if you're writing for other people, if you're performing on stage for other people, if you are like my sister-in-law, um, creating beauty for other people through design, anything you do that brings more light and more joy into the world is a service. It really is. Yesterday, I had um, a lady in our front office emailed me just to tell me that one of my longtime patients wanted to make sure she said hello and I appreciate you. Now, how cool is that? Like she is shining her light into the world. So if you look at whatever it is you feel pulled to do as like an act of service, it's also going to help remove ego. Because sometimes, like especially like think about it, getting on stage, that feels 
or it felt like all ego, like I want people to see me. I'm important. What I have to say matters. But if you're doing it for other people, it removes some of that ego. If you're only doing it for personal accolades, then your drive is going to peter out. Your motor is going to give up. And you're going to take it a lot harder when you hit dead ends. If you're doing it for other people and then you hit a dead end, you say to yourself, well, so what? I mean, I still have to keep going. Number four, if it matters, I'm sorry, number four, it matters because it matters to you. And that's enough. If it matters to you, you need to do it. Because as I said, if you don't, who will? We have such a short time on earth. Really, we do. And we're each given these seeds. And if you choose not to grow yours, then the world is not going to be the same. I know that sounds pie in the sky, but that's what I truly believe. And that's why I sit here every week and I do this podcast. I don't get paid. I don't have sponsors. I don't have ads. I do it because it matters to me. It matters because I'm hoping that somebody who's feeling um, lost or like giving up with their career, that they will hear this and they'll get some, you know, motivation or some empowerment or they'll feel just a tiny bit better. Number five, keep going even when you feel like giving up because resistance is a bully. That's that. That's from Stephen Pressfield. He has a whole little section about resistance being a bully. And it is true. The thing the bully wants is for you to give up. I had a girl who sat behind me. Her last name was Atwater. If you're listening, you know who you are because my last name was Alan. And she, for like a year, would pull my ponytail and we were studying Indian, Ameri I'm sorry, Native American Indians. She would call me Hopi Indian. Um, she would like uh, take her hand and like hit my ponytail back and forth. Anyway, my mom said, just ignore her. Don't give her the power. And it's true. Same thing with resistance. Don't give it the power. The bully will eventually give up. Number six, allies, angels, and muses. All right. This is partly mine, partly Stephen Pressfield's. Keep in mind, there is a higher power. And this also helps remove some of that ego component. Like it's not all about you. These seeds are put there for a reason. Um, if you pray, pray about your desires. If you don't pray, say a thank you out loud to the universe. Or like those old school writers like Homer, speak out loud to your muse. So if you imagine or not even imagine, if you believe that there's a higher power at play urging you along when the going gets tough, it's going to be a lot more manageable. Um, one of my friends, Meg Letty, she has a burnout podcast. And one of her first episodes she did was called The Universe Has Your Back. And if you truly believe the universe has your back, it's going to make it a lot, a lot more manageable when you hit these roadblocks. And you can also think of it like the hero's journey. So the hero's journey is basically the outline of every story in the history of the world. You receive a call, you resist the call, you finally take the call, you go on the journey, you overcome obstacles, you hit up against hardships, um, you learn a lesson, you come back a stronger version of yourself, um, and then you share that lesson with other people. 
And that's, I mean, when you think about it, that's what I'm doing with this podcast and with writing. Number seven, simply start. Start with dipping a toe in the water. So thinking and making spreadsheets will not lead to clarity, but taking action will lead you to clarity. So just a tiny little step. If you think you might want to write a book, try writing a long email to somebody. Try writing an article or a blog post. Keep it private like I did for the first probably nine months. I wrote every single day and didn't um, change the settings on the blog to public for probably nine months. So by dipping a toe in the water, resistance will get nervous, but it won't start a war. So just a tiny little step. Number eight, once you do have a good idea of what your dream is, what your calling is, and the calling will change. That's, a, that's also another podcast. But let's say right now you feel pulled to do whatever. I want you to tell people about it. Tell people you trust and who have your best interest in mind, but tell people about it. That's why I've told y'all I'm writing a book. Um, it makes you accountable. And it also, I think, sends signals to the universe that you are 100% serious. And then I think the universe sends in help. It sends in mentors, guides, maybe a writing course, um, serendipitous events. You'll run into somebody who's been on part of the path that you're about to embark on. You will... Um, You'll read about certain things. It's, it's going to be uncanny. Just get ready for it. Number nine, you make your own luck. You make your own luck. Think about that. So if you make your own luck, this assumes that you have some control over your future. This also, um, it sort of goes with the assumption that everybody is rooting for you, that it's like the universe is rooting for you. Um, there's not all this competition out there. Like just because I'm writing a book on burnout does not mean that I need to be jealous of other people who are writing books on burnout. We, we each have our own unique spin on it. Um, nobody's trying to steal ideas. Um, it also makes you act as if. So if you make your own luck, and you, and you act as if, like as if it's going to come true, then you're going to make different choices than if you thought, well, it's just the luck of the draw. Or one of my kids is always saying, I have the worst luck. And I try to talk to her. <laughs> I try to talk to her and say, you make your own luck. But anyway, um, let's say you want to win Tour de France. You have no idea why, but it's something you feel compelled to do. Maybe it's because um, Lance Armstrong wanted all the little kids who are cheering him on to know that it's possible. If you have the right mindset and the right training, minus steroids, you can do it, right? So that's like an act of service to others. You're motivating people. Um, you believe you can do it. The world is rooting from you. And then something bad happens. So you get cancer, not just any cancer, cancer of the balls, balls that need to sit on a bike seat for hours and hours. So did he say, well, I've got the crappiest luck there is. I guess this is 
the end of my cycling career. No, if you believe you make your own luck, you say, all right, well, I mean, I'm still meant to do this. And then you win the Tour de France with cancer because you believe that that dream was put into your heart for a reason and that dream is meant to come true. Or you will gain something else along the way and you'll pivot. So not all dreams are going to come to fruition, but it's the journey that matters. That sounded like a poster. Sorry. Number 10, recognize, we're almost done, by the way, if you're kind of yawning at this point, recognize that excuses, I'm sorry, recognize excuses for what they are, even if they're the truth. This one's big because resistance will use the truth to hold us back. So yes, my friend has been burned out in the past. Yes, she has a very busy life. Yes, it would be very stressful to embark on a new blah, blah, blah. Or yes, your bank account does not support you going back to school right now. But this is all resistance. Resistance job is to keep you from going after your dream. So it exaggerates the truth. It kind of puts a magnifier on it. Um, it hides the problem solving that you could use to get around whatever it is. It's, it's kind of manipulative when you think about it like that. Um. So Tolstoy had 13 kids and five of them died early in childhood. Can you imagine? And even though the truth was he's a busy man, a grieving man, probably a stressed out man, he still let those seeds grow. He became one of the greatest authors of our time. So the last one Think ahead and look down the path of your life. So just sort of play pretend, look ahead, see if you can imagine how it will all turn out if you give in to resistance. If you don't pursue whatever it is, if you just stay stuck, because that's the easy route, how would you feel a year from now? How would you feel on your deathbed? And this is where Gay Hendricks um, comes in. So the genius zone, he, he actually has concrete recommendations, which I like. He says, come up with practical, measurable signs that you're living up to your potential and beating resistance. So he says, like, pick markers that you would like to meet a year from now and another set of markers that you'll meet by the time you're on your deathbed. And at the time, he didn't have a relationship. Um, he wanted to have a, a wife or a spouse, but he didn't. And so I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was something like, you know, by my deathbed, I will have a loving and uh, supportive, trusting relationship with my wife. Um, and he recommends making it very specific. So like he's, he uses examples, like I will have a um, full coaching, um, what's it called? Coaching business with a waiting list for three months. Um, I will have finished my book and it will have brought in $25,000 by this time next year. Um, I will have an audience of 500 um, by this time next year, whatever it is. I just made those up, but you got to make it sort of like measurable. So you're not just like, I have an amazing marriage. And we did this in our marriage retreat where we wrote out sort of a, sort of a mission statement, but it was a lot like this, like, you know, we wanted specific things like 
We wanted to laugh together. We wanted to have weekly dates. We wanted to um, have daily check-ins. Um, so anyway, this just gives you a lot to think about. And I encourage you to like write some of this stuff down, go through the list, um, because I, I think I've given you some really good things to think about. And if you're like, I can't do this on my own. I need a coach. I'm your girl. Maybe we'll talk. I'm not going to take you if we're not a good fit. I can promise you that. <laughs> I've been there and done that. Um, but anyway, we are going to end today by saying, don't let resistance run your life. It is your choice. I'll see y'all next week. Thank y'all for listening. It was so much fun talking to you today. All right, if you are ready to make some major changes in your life, if you're at the point where you are sick and tired of feeling stuck and directionless and you really don't know what to do next or where to go, maybe it's time we had a little chat. So I have it set up on my website. You can schedule a free 30-minute discovery call and we'll sit down and decide if we're a good fit. Maybe you'd prefer group coaching. Maybe you need one-on-one -on -one coaching or maybe you just want to talk and, and say hello. So go on over to my website. It's coachhopecook.com. That's H-O-P-E-C-O-O-K.com and schedule the free discovery call. And I can't wait to talk to you. So See you next week, and hopefully I'll talk to some of you before that. <laughs>